all units hold traffic, all units hold traffic. We have a brand new 10-8 podcast episode right now. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to today's bonus content. We are calling this the Supplemental Report. Hope you're having a great afternoon. Hopefully you enjoyed the main episode. This is kind of the extra stuff. This is the cherry on top. If this is your first time checking out the bonus content, this is basically the call-in version of the show. We take the main theme of the episode, This week is burnout. Last week it was about um, kind of fear of failure and leaving your comfort zone. And we have people call in and we discuss it. We hear their story and they lay it out on us uh, for, for you guys to listen to. And we discuss it a little bit. Today on the line we have Brooke, a former firefighter from the Midwest. She went to the corporate world because, you know, she was brought to... Fire. Well, she previously had experience in the corporate world. Then she was brought to fire. She had that calling. She wanted to be in public service. And then what happened, Brooke? You had some kind of, I don't know, I guess, professional dissatisfaction that kind of pulled you away from it? Yes. Yes. Um, I think that choosing a better path or acknowledging that maybe the industry in itself of public service is not what's advertised when people get there. <laughs> um right was kind of a humbling experience. Um, I had worked for a Fortune 200 company in the corporate space as a project manager for prototypes, which is very fast-paced, wonderful industry in the automotive industry um, in the space of manufacturing. I had a very fulfilling job. It was great. It was wonderful. But in tandem of that, and again, I spoke with you, and I feel a little bit um, like I'm, I'm not the right class of citizens. I, I'm speaking from the fire side and, um, paramedic side of the, uh, first responder world. So I know that you have a lot of law enforcement officers that probably listen, but this is from, from the, uh, from the good side of the, the fence. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, the, you guys are our favorite, uh, fire academy rejects. So, you know, it's all good. That's okay. Um, It's okay. The the basement savers can have a say in this. It's okay. Right, right. All right. So, I know. I've got got easy talking. But um, so, I think that in our industry, it's certainly not what's advertised um, for a lot of people. People, the fire department in general comes across as the best job in the world. That's that's the tagline associated with it. And that's that's a wonderful sentiment. Um, It's great for recruiting, but poor for retention. Uh, when we get there and we realize that it, it, it's an okay job, uh, it's not, it's, and just like any kind of public service, not the job for everybody, but it's certainly not the greatest job in the world. Um, it can be great, and that's a lot of dependent on leadership. And what we lack in the fire service is across the board, really strong leadership. We promote people out of positions, um, that they can't do because we're heavily union involved and we can't fire people. But, you know, so we, when they can't do their jobs, they promote up the ranks, kind of get them out of our hair, Um, which is unfortunate because it leaves the people on the front line with a lack of that good direction. Um, And so my story is, and if if you ever, I'm going to give you the 10 cent version of how I got there um, because I think that is important on my background. But if you're, if you're dying to know more about it, there's a podcast that was done strictly on my upbringing in the fire service. It's Jump Seat Radio, episode 102. But anyways, the, the dinosaur version of it is that I came to the fire service at 
kind of as a late bloomer. I was 30 years old when I joined a full-time fire department and got hired. And then from there, got my paramedic license. And how that all began was um, it it really was a journey. And I think that was part of why I held on for so long when I was burnt out, which only ruined me further. Um, I, I didn't want to give up on it because I'd worked so hard to get there. Um, I had started off I was a hundred over a hundred pounds heavier, and with the fire department, unlike with the police academy, it is one set of physical standards. So the same physical standards that I have to pass are what the, the two hundred and twenty pound dude has to pass, which is why women in the fire service there's there's not many of them. It's it's a hard test even if you're a physically fit guy. And here I am, you know, I'm overweight. I'm you know at the time I was I was um, working in a job where. I I was I was very sedentary, but I had joined this volunteer department to start off with. Well, the first time I went into the fire, it was that was it for me. Like I I had caught the bug, and I started thinking about what it would take to do this for a living. And I started going through certifications with my volunteer service and getting those certifications, and in doing so, in tandem, starting to train and lose all this weight. And, you know, the big thing that was keeping me back was the CPAT test, which is the physical um, agility test that you have to pass to get into the career service. Um, spent a lot of time in the gym. Like I said, lost 100 pounds and then passed the test and then finally got my call up to the majors, which was my career department in a bigger metropolitan area, metropolis area um, with a call volume of – and this is to, – to some people, this doesn't sound like much. To others, they're like, wow, that's a lot. But the fire department there was running um, over 7,500 calls a year with only three engines and two ambulances. That's that's a lot of call volume for that much for the staffing that we had. Um, and it never we never were given as call volume increased, like with the um, pandemic and things like that. We the medical call volume really ticked up. So what we saw was a overload of call volume and certain areas of the city that were understaffed and utilizing this service as more of a taxi service than emergency medicine. Mm -hmm. So the thing that you sign up for to go help people in their darkest hour suddenly becomes very much a backseat. So what the, the career that I had left to, to circle back to that, the career that I had left in that industry, we had a very systematic way by which, leadership would ask for more resources and it was to demonstrate a business case and i'm looking at these call volume numbers and i'm looking at the data i'm a very data-driven individual that's um, a lot of my training is in six sigma and continuous improvement and we rely on data to tell a story and i'm seeing the data and i'm seeing the fluctuations in data i'm not seeing anybody doing anything about it and it's frustrating and all of a sudden this this job that you started doing to help people you suddenly realize that you're you're part of the problem. You're part of the problem of you're enabling people to, you know, get into these situations where they're just they're they're making a phone call for a ride, essentially. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and instead of being a help, your the policies that be you have to take this person so you can then bill their Medicaid and things like that. There was just it was a very dark thing when you started really analyzing what what I was what I was doing in a day to day time. It's like oh man, I'm I'm taking these people. We send this bill, and hey, that's great because you know the HMOs are happy and everything like that. But we're not we're not 
saving lives. We're salvaging them at best. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Um, you see that, you know, when you go on overdoses, that, that was always my, my biggest, oh, yeah. hardest one for me. Go on an overdose. And you're like, yeah, you, you're the, and I, you know, I think about this, this person that was so close to death and their best case scenario is if they get clean and can hold down a job, which probably not going to be good because they've probably got a record and they're going to live in, you know, poverty and they're going to repeat this cycle. Like their best case scenarios were pretty bleak. And that's where it it was hard not to become jaded. And there were so many good things about the fire service, but man, when you're all of a sudden your call volumes are up and we were on 24 hour shifts. So we're talking about standing 24s when your administration is, so you're on no sleep. And now, you know, you're taking a couple hundred thousand dollar piece of equipment, lights and sirens across town to make somebody's medical decisions for them. It's just, to me, it's so lucrative. Uh, It's ludicrous that we were, we're expected to do that. And not only expected to do that, the culture like just fuels that, oh, oh, we're fine. We're fine. We're good. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm kind of, I'm kind of thinking about this and I might be talking out of turn so correct me, but you know, it's, very similar to the police in the fact of like you call, you get an ambulance, or you get a fire truck, and they're gonna do what is, you know, what you want basically, and yeah. you feel trapped because you know again, ethically that's not what you signed up for, but through policy and things like that, it's what you are mandated to do. So it's like you're stuck, and like you said, that that altruistic feeling that got you here in the first place is kind of gone by the wayside because it's kind of taken that that aspect of it away. Right. Exactly. You're, you're absolutely right. And, you know, I've seen all of these comments about, I, you said you have an NFL person that's coming on. And now I've seen all these comments about how the people who were on the field that night that probably make the least amount of money were the ones that made the greatest play when they revived the um, down player. Mm-hmm. And, I keep seeing all of these people in EMS saying, well, we didn't get into it for the money. No, we didn't. We got into it to help people. But that became secondary to policy. So now all of a sudden you're doing a job that's hazardous to your own health because you're up and you're so, I was so strung out on lack of sleep. My thyroid was dead. My hormone levels were all off the charts. I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't a very good person anymore. So you're you're damaging your own health and your own family, your own well-being yeah. for the purpose of, like, doing this good thing, except you're not doing this good thing. And when those right, you're not doing the thing that – Right. Right. You're not doing the thing that made you want to make this sacrifice anyway. And, and what Absolutely. You're saying, what you're saying is basically it could be a carbon copy over law enforcement, over dispatch, over all the different public safety uh, fields, even, even nurses and things like that. Like – there are so many issues that go along with it. Um, just, you know, to kind of tie it back to law enforcement, even though, you know, this, like, as I'm saying, this could be branched out everywhere, but that's like, you know, when we arrest somebody, when law enforcement arrests somebody and then they're back out on the street before the paperwork's even done because that's where right. the judges and, and attorneys have deemed it. Like you start. The DA like, doesn't do their job, but you guys exactly, do yours. So exactly. Now and it's like, what, what am I doing this for? Why am I right. risking? My life, my physical well-being, mental well-being, all these things, my family's well-being, 
for a system that is broken to the fact of like I can't actually do my job to the I mean I can do my job to the extent that I can, but there's no reward for it either. Like it's right. not there's no success, you know, like there's no you know, what's the point? Right. Yeah. That that when those two paths collided of like, okay, so now my my physical well being, my mental emotional well being, exactly everything you're saying the what's I'm not doing the good things that I signed up to do and it's not it doesn't pay it does not pay great and I have to maintain all these certifications and I've got you know on on our end we have the liability aspect of it too which I'm sure you have to you know you mm-hmm. things that can go to court and fall back on you I mean I couldn't imagine what you guys have to you know deal with on your your days off as far as even like attending court but you have all of those things and the whole, the two worlds collided. And at one point I had said enough's enough. And, um, I, I journeyed back into the corporate world and the two best days of my life were the day that I got my, my full-time job at the fire department and the day I left. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I, the, the one thing is, is that, you know, I, I'll miss the clowns, but not the circus. I, oh, I, I worked with that. some of them. I worked with some of the best people on this planet, hands down. And they are all wonderful individuals. I have, I don't, I, I, I don't have the, the horror stories of, you know, dealing with personnel issues and things like that because we, we really were a cohesive unit that way. It was the overarching policies, the lack of sleep, the lack of respect, the, um, just the, the thing that you signed up for is all of a sudden the thing that you despise. True. And, when you're sitting in the the parking lot every day and dreading going in, like it was it was time to make a change. So I, you know, wonderfully had a pathway back, um, kept open some of my contacts. I did this for about five years. So I went and I did the you know went and chased the dream, and I had these rich experiences and I met these wonderful people, and. You know, nothing, nothing's ever going to take away from that. I don't regret doing it, but I'm so much happier being back where I was. And now I work just I work as a PRN paramedic in our county, which is really low, low call volume. But I get to maintain my license and I get to do more of the thing that I signed up to do in the first place. Yeah. And that, I mean, all of that kind of ties into the point that I'm getting at. And I had I had a very similar experience when when I decided to hang it up on the law enforcement side and you know I don't I I, I always kind of tiptoe around this because I don't want to make it sound like I'm telling people to get out of public service get out of public mm-hmm. service. that's not what I'm saying but right. I think it's important to see the signs of burnout uh, because it can be majorly detrimental to your well-being um, like you said you know you didn't like the person that you were becoming and things like that and, you know, that affects more important aspects of our lives to include our family, our, you know, um, mental well-being, things like that. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm glad that you saw it. And not only do you see it, but you understood that by that there was a way and a, and a something else out there for you. Obviously, you had the professional experience beforehand. Um, but even people who, you know, get into fire or the police or whatever it might be as a young person, you know, fresh out of college or fresh out of high school, it may be, you know, so you don't have a lot of life experiences to be like, oh, I could definitely do this out of it. But you know what skills you did have 
Right. So you do have, you know, what you brought to the table in the first place, and you can apply that to a different domain. And I think that's the most important thing because so many people feel stuck in yeah. their situation. So true. And so and true. They, they don't want to go anywhere or they feel like they can't go anywhere because what else am I going to do? And there's so many things that are that you are now capable of, even if this is your first job, you have so many new skills that can be right. replicated in different industries. Right. And let me tell you, like, you, you hit the nail on the head there. I, I run into so many people in my line of work, in EMS, in police, that they feel stuck because, like, just like you said, they got into it at an early age. It's all they know. It's all they've done. But let me tell you this. You, that is such a transferable skill set. It's all in how you sell it. You have the ability to talk to people. You have the ability to negotiate. You have the ability to deal with people from all different walks of life and make a communication and be respectful, even in times where you don't want to be very respectful. <laughs> Let me tell you, it doesn't matter what job you go into. If you can kind of phrase that skill set and you've been doing it for X amount of years, oh, my goodness, you're you're at the top of my hiring list. You are absolutely at the top of my hiring list. Um, paramedics were great at triage. We're great at de- at developing what what is the priority. In my day-to-day corporate job, it's what is what is important now? What do I need to put my focus on? I, I was able to articulate that as a skill set transfer versus being like, oh, I've been out of this for five years. No, mm-hmm. I've been honing the skill, but in a different way. Yep. Yeah. So when I, when I went back, I, I just started going back to school this past uh, fall semester. And, you know, one thing that kind of came up as I was making that decision, because I'm going for psychology now, and my therapist, who's also former law enforcement, said, you know, you've had these skills the entire time you were working the road, talking to people, kind of right. know, investigating yep. their problems and trying to remedy the solution. And that is just one example of, of that. And your, your triage example is another great one. And, and people in law enforcement and dispatch and all the different other areas of public safety all have those skills. Those are all things, you know, what takes priority, what's important now. Um, you know, how can we stop this bleeding yep. figuratively? Um, and yeah, you go into an interview, a corporate interview, and you say, you know, I'm good at critical thinking and decision making in a pinch, in a, you know, in a rapid, rapidly evolving situation. I can't think of a single CEO or hiring agent or hiring specialist that would go, oh no, we don't want that skill here. Like, come on, <laughs> in a fast right. paced world, you know, which is all we've got right now. Yep. That's what people want, and that's what Absolutely. everybody listening to this in, in our respective career fields or former career fields uh, possesses. Like, that is a mandatory part of this job or whichever job you may be working, and it's so easy to forget that. You know, you might think, like, oh, well, I'm good at report writing and investing. Stop, stop. You're, you're thinking right. too closely to what, what we're talking about. Think, think bigger picture, and yep. suddenly it gets a lot clearer. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, the the irony is, is that I became better at those skills when I got away from the thing that was dragging me down. When I, when I crawled out from underneath the burnout part of it, those skills blossomed because I had adequate sleep. I, you know, was being challenged and felt like I was contributing on a daily basis. So those skills only grew more. Like there was light at the end of the tunnel for me um, and going back, the big thing was when I, when I, I would say if, if you're, if you're listening, you're dealing with burnout, 
if your sleep is starting to get affected, let me tell you that that affects so much else in your life, and you probably have no idea. We don't, we do not value sleep enough in in our day to day existence. We're oh, we'll, we'll catch up on that on the weekends or whenever we're off duty. No, no, make sleep a priority. Uh, it regulates everything else. And when my sleep was starting to go um, because of the job, because I was had such an erratic schedule, and if you're working shift work, you know what I'm talking about. It's it's hard to, it's hard to stay regulated. I was 24 on and 48 off. So don't sleep at night at all for that 24. Then you go home and you you literally die. And you know for me, you know I was an asshole to my my family because I'm I'm tired. I'm strung out from not sleeping. I don't have I'm not holding a good schedule. And the real wake up call when was when my husband was like, you you got to figure something else out. You, he's like, I'll support you either way, but if it's that you need to take time off and get away from it for a little bit and re-regulate your sleep cycle. But like, I have a, we have a 10 year old daughter. I was not being a good mom, um, just short with my family. And I mean, we, we all have that, right? Like don't, just because you came home, you had a bad day. I'm not talking about that. I mean, this was a consistent, Every time I would come home from work, it didn't matter if I had a good shift or a bad shift. I was still a bear and mm-hmm. I was not treating the people in my life with the respect and dignity that they are deserving of and the support that they need. And if that, if you're starting to see those signs or somebody's coming to you and God bless my husband, cause he's put up with me through, you know, how many, how many career changes and, you know, he's, he's done a lot and he's held it down here, but he was the one to kind of be like, you got to figure something out. I'll support you either way, but something, something ain't stirring the Kool-Aid here and you got to do something about it. So if you're, if your loved ones are coming to you and telling you that it's, it's a wake up sign. And it's maybe, maybe it is that you need a different assignment. I'm not, I, I run in the same bucket you do. I'm not saying get out of public service. If you like it and you feel called to it and that's what you feel like you should be doing, then by all means, but don't stay there because you feel stuck because you do have a very transferable skill set. I'd be happy to hire anybody with those kind of skills. And also listen to the warning signs. If if it's time to take a break, find out what your sabbatical kind of um, and leave policies are or, you know, maybe ask for different assignments because it, I, I didn't have those options. So I was, you know, the one option was, my my former job where I had been working prior made me an offer I couldn't refuse. And it was one it's been a wonderful journey back there to that. Um, but I still support if if you want to stay into it, great, but do what you need to at home because work work's always gonna be there. There's mm-hmm. always your your telestaff or whoever you're you know, like they're always gonna be asking for shifts to be filled, whether you're you're gone or there or employed there or not, that's never gonna change. But your family is all you've got in your home and your your life outside of work you need to define yourself in the little things that you enjoy that make up you not in what your title is not in feeling important that was it was a hard thing for me to leave because for the longest time I had I had tried to go to this towards this goal of becoming this full-time firefighter so then when I got there I felt like I was chained to that because I had invested so much of my time and energy Mm -hmm. to get there which I'm sure you guys go through an academy You've been doing it. You take on this identity, you know, and just like I did. And it's like, now what happens when that goes away? And it turns out when that went away, I was a better person and a better first responder. I'm more responding in a rural area to my community, but also a better human being when I got away from it. Yes, absolutely. And uh, just to go back and kind of touch on a couple of things you said, 
the sleep is such an amazing indicator of your life. And it, and it, like you said, it regulates as well. I'm, I'm in the middle of, uh, Andrew Huberman podcast right now. And, you know, he's a neuroscientist and he talks about sleep a lot in a lot of his conversations. And we just got to a point in this episode where he is talking about it. And it's just so, so, so important. It, it's, we really, uh, undervalue sleep. We undervalue a lot of things in this society, but sleep is a big one. Uh, hydration, nutrition, those are all things that Absolutely. really undervalue. And mm-hmm. I, so my coworker sent me a video. It was a TikTok. And like, you know, when you, when you get on a, get on a thing with anywhere on like YouTube or anything where you start getting into the conspiracy theories. And this one was like, Oh, you know, everything's just off in society. Have you noticed that like everyone's emotions are off? We're all depressed. We're all anxious, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that's not a, that's not a conspiracy theory where it has nothing to do with like the certain super collider. That means we're all malnourished. We're all under, under hydrated. Right. Like, and I even said, I was like, okay, so there's no conspiracy theory. We just all don't take good care of ourselves is what it right. is. Not sleeping well. Um, we, we have these blue light devices in our face, you know, 20 something hours a day. Right. That's all the problem. Right. So I agree. That was something I had physical signs that my burnout was getting, um, unmanageable by pain and like, I was having physical, like my muscle aches and, um, just, you know, my stress was literally hurting me and Mm -hmm. it got to the point where, you know, cops and firefighters, you know, they, they get the physical ailments of the job, right? Hurting discs and all that crap. Um, I will tell you since I've been away from the job, it's been about a year and a half now. Um, I haven't been to a chiropractor once. My back has normal wear and tear to it right but nothing like i had when i was putting on the uniform and, and bearing sure. the the weight of the vest and the weight of the job on my body and you know that was my thing my sleep has always been kind of cattywampus but those those things are absolutely it and then again what you said about listening to what your family says they know you the best mm-hmm. and they can see when you're off and you know if they're coming to you and if you're a police fire anyone's spouse listen to this come to your person and tell them hey you're not something's off and and you know have those conversations because it'll save your marriage it'll save your family it could save your life and um could save your career in in brooks and in my cases as well so mm-hmm. brooke this was great i really appreciate your insight on this i i agree with everything you said and hopefully everyone listening can kind of take a look at their lives and be like okay how can i adjust my situation to if they're feeling similar symptoms to make the best out of my situation whether it be staying in the job looking elsewhere i i like what you said about looking for different assignments um smaller agencies you know make it a little bit more difficult yeah there i want to say this that if if you still love and have this calling for law enforcement or whatever your case may be there are other agencies out there as well there are other assignments there are other um opportunities so Keep that right. in mind as well. Brooke, I am so glad you called in. I'm so glad we had this conversation. Thank you so much for passing this along. Yeah, thanks for having me. And that'll do it for our little bonus treat for you guys. Again, we call this Supplemental Report. It's just a little bit extra. If you haven't checked out the first episode, it's, you might be a little lost on this one. So go check that out. They're kind of a package deal, one and then the other. You can definitely listen to that one and not miss anything with this, but I think this one really fleshes it out. Again, we like having people who experience the overall topic of the episode who you know, may not be the, the main guest of the show, but again, we're trying to get in the trenches stories about the things that are going on, the impact that law enforcement, um, 
public safety, everything that is being felt over over recent times and it's true and it's real and we're not just making this up so thank you so much to brooke thank you for checking this out again next week jason lacayo from new york and uh we'll check it out then all right guys take care of each other stay safe we'll see you then bye The views and opinions expressed on the 108 podcast are those of the authors and guests individually. They do not necessarily reflect an official policy or position. The 108 podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not affiliated with any entity, agency, or department.